Hey everybody, it's Dr. G. How are you doing this evening? It's a lovely 80-some degrees in the Pacific Northwest. The air conditioning system in the condo and the studio has been out for two days. And you'd have to understand the contractors here. No one's running with any great amount of speed to fix it. So we are in a very small coffee shop that has air conditioning we're out of the studio so you're going to hear a lot of background noise and this particular place sits on 124th street northeast uh which might as well have a sign that says drag strip so you may get to hear some of that too two of my favorite comments around this business one is there is indeed a world unseen, a world that exists all around us all the time. And every now and again, for whatever reason, we catch a glimpse of it and the dead get in. The other one, which pretty much mirrors that one, is that we live in a world where the real and the unreal live side by side, where substance is disguised as illusion. And sometimes the only explanations are the ones that are unexplainable. We wanted to talk first about what I call little things. They're the little tiny paranormal events that happen to you on some idle Tuesday you know, it's not uh, seeing Uncle Fred's face in the cupboard when you open it to get out your breakfast cereal bowl or anything like that. Cassandra and I, Cassandra's in the studio, by the way, I'm not in the studio, but in the coffee shop with me. And she's refusing to talk. So everybody go, hi, Cassandra, and she'll know you're out there. Cassandra and I are in a restaurant that we have not been to before a couple of days ago. And it's a restaurant that I was not going to go to. We drove into the parking lot. Parking lot is packed. We circled the lot for 15, 20 minutes. And I'm like, you know what? I am not putting up with this. I'm just, we're leaving. But something was just drawing me into the restaurant. We circled a couple more times, found a parking spot, walked into the restaurant. And we were on our way to be seated. And something told me not to sit in the seat they were taking us to. I pointed across the room and said, could we please have that one over there? We got the traditional eye roll from the young lady who was somewhere between the front desk hostess position and swallowing her cell phone. But she led us over to the the table I requested, and we sat down. Something kept drawing me to look at two people that were over Cassandra's left shoulder. They were two young ladies. They were, okay, lawyers, plug your ears. They were very cute and pleasant looking. But there was just something about them. They were exuding this feeling of calmness and and magic, if you will. Cassandra and I had a small talk about it, and 
I always carry our, our business cards with us. So I decided I would walk over to their table and explain to them what I was feeling coming from their table. They gave out a feeling that I feel that Cassandra and I give out when, when we're in a place. You can tell that we're very happy where we are and what we're doing. But these guys could have walked into the middle of a war zone and you would have felt calm. I told them it was an honor to sit next to them and I gave them a business card. <clears throat> Do you ever run into someone like that? You're just, they walk in the room and chaos stops. I have a few friends like that. Uh, nurse topping, you're like that. And if you're listening, Cassandra and I are like that. That's why Cassandra and I are together. I've walked into chaos and I mean, look up shitstorm in the dictionary and this place has its picture right there. And there was this tunnel of calmness and, you know, 15 years later, we're uh, still each other's chronic enablers. Sometimes it's the little feelings like that. And what sparked that all was uh, we had a friend right in and, and he's, you know, I have this little story, but it's, it's so very short. It's a paragraph. And can you mention it? So I called him. He left his phone number. Don't leave your phone number if you don't want me to call you. But anyway, I said, so Tim, what's going on? And he's like, well, it's just, it's just a short little thing. He said, uh, I used to, to go to this certain place every night when I was going out, I'd have myself a beer and you know, maybe play a little bit of, of poker. He lives in Texas. There are a lot of poker things. It's legal to go into a bar and play poker down there most of the time. <clears throat> so he would always go there and he said, you know, there's this guy that just, he makes me angry when I look at him. And you'd have to understand that the guy that's telling me that is not that kind of person. Nothing makes him angry. He's, uh, Oh, you threw mud in my face, gee, I'm sorry. Here, let me wipe that off and give you a better shot. Nothing. I, I, I could not have the patience that this guy has, right? So I said, wow, did, did he do something to you? Or No, he just, um, but it's gotten to the point where I won't even sit close to him. If he's on one side of the room, I go clear to the other side of the room. So did you try walking up to him and you know, introducing yourself or saying hello? He said, well, don't laugh at me, but every time I think about doing that and I stand up, I just imagine him doing that thing that you do every once in a while when somebody completely frustrates you. And that would be what? He's like, you hiss. I don't. He's like, I've heard you do it. You do. Now, if Cassandra were in a talking mood, she would say, mm -hmm, yep, heard it. But um, if that happens, it's a good time for you to get out of my dance space because I've become so frustrated that, you know, my father used to say not another word. And when that happened, you knew that you better shut up and get out of Dodge. So then he proceeds to tell me that one night there was only one seat left at the table and it was next to this man. The man had a napkin and some sort of piece of paper laying on the chair. 
So I looked at him and I said, excuse me, sir, is the seat taken? He rolled his eyes, shook his head no, and moved his things, and I sat down. He said, this is where it gets paranormal. As far as I'm concerned, he looked at me and said, don't sit here. He said, I was somewhere between saying okay and pretending I was back in high school and wanting to see how far I could knock him out of the chair. But I got up and went to the other side of the room where previously to that, just a few moments ago, there were a couple seats at the bar, which now have also been taken. So I look around, there is not one single seat. There is nowhere for me to be in this place. So I'm going to go sit in the car and I'm going to watch the line at the door. And after it dies down, maybe I'll go back in. So I did a no-no. I got up myself a beer and took it outside and sat in the car to drink it. So I don't know how much time actually went by. It wasn't a lot. I still had about half a beer, and I see blue lights coming. And I'm thinking in my mind, great. Somebody turned me in for drinking in the parking lot, which, trust me, in Texas is not an oddity. I'll just explain my way out of it. Now I think I'm just going to go home and be on my merry way. So then I notice another cruiser and another cruiser and a van and paramedics. I'm like, what's going on? All of a sudden, the parking lot looks like a used car sales for police cars. Nobody's paying any attention to me. They're going inside. Eventually, it works its way back down to one police cruiser, and everybody else is gone. And I had finished the beer and thrown it on the floor of my car and was waiting for nobody to be watching while I drove home. One beer does not impair my driving, so I thought I'd be okay. Then a cop with a flashlight slowly starts walking toward my car. I put down my window and I said, what can I do for you, sir? And he said, were you going into this establishment? I said, no, I was already in there, but there wasn't any place to sit. So I, I wanted to play some poker, but I left. Turns out that the seat I was sitting in was occupied by someone else. When a gentleman across the table was pretty sure that he was cheating at cards, pulled out a 25 caliber automatic and shot the man four times. He didn't know why the guy next to him told him, don't sit here. But finally, he waits until the establishment closes and everybody's walking out. He sees the man that had aggravated him for so long for no reason. He motions him toward the car and the guy comes over. And he has somebody with him that was sitting on the other side of him. It turns out that that's his brother. And he said, I, I guess I should thank you for asking me not to sit there. Cause maybe if I had, that could have been me. Guy looks at me. He goes, buddy, it's been a rough night. And I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't say anything to you. I rolled my eyes and removed my things from the chair. You sat down, you got back up. 
somebody else was waiting at the bar, came over and sit down. And that was all there was to it. He said, I looked at the man and I told him, no, no, you said, don't sit here. So the guy that was with him looked at me, it's dude, he didn't say anything to you. I was right there. I haven't been back to that establishment. It's been over two years now. But I just wanted to write you, and I wanted to mention that it's a little tiny thing, but it's one I can't forget. You've heard me mention the gift of fear a couple of times, and it tells you that the hair on the back of your neck stands up for a reason. Sometimes you need to hear those little things that go on, the paranormal and if you will, otherworldly incidents are not always huge. They're not always life-altering and big and bad. And hey, look at me, look at me. Doesn't always work that way. Sometimes it's just that little tiny thing that maybe you shouldn't ignore. Large majority of my life has been those type of events although the other ones have occurred for me as well, but many times it's that little thing. It's the ones that most people would just overlook and go on with their day. But maybe if we stop for just a second and listen to those, things might change. The other thing we wanted to address was a young lady that is a tenant of ours came in and just, so you do magic. Yes, I do. How long have you done that? So around five decades now. She says, uh-huh, and you believe in all that you know, ESP and there's a whole other world out there and all that psychic stuff. I said, and you do not? She says, no, magic is the work of the devil. And you couldn't tell any time in the world that's ever done anyone any good. I said, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. And someday when you want to talk about it, catch me when I have a minute and we'll go have a cup of coffee and I'll explain some things to you. So that got Cassandra and I thinking about magic in general. And I started to think about classified things that magic has done because that's where i'm wired to go <clears throat> but i can say during world war ii bicycle the playing card company and some british and american intelligence agencies who will remain nameless made a deck of cards now if you got these cards wet and separated them and then put them back together they would make escape maps these cards were smuggled into POW camps and by Red Cross and other means that the Geneva, Geneva Convention allowed. <clears throat> and they are credited with saving at least 32 people who escaped. And those are just the ones that are reported. Also during World War II, Operation Bertram, I believe it was called, it's created by a magician who I believe is Jasper, I think Jasper Macklin. He tricked the access powers into believing 
that an attack on Egypt would take place way further south and two days later than it actually did. This was accomplished by a variety of illusions, in which real tanks were disguised as trucks using light sun shields and things that were made to look like tanks without those shields that actually were not tanks. There was a dummy water line put in place, and it really looked fairly real. Now, if you want to get a little deeper into things like that, you might remember that guy named Harry Houdini. Houdini taught soldiers how to get out of ropes and how to pick German handcuffs. He also taught them how to escape from sinking ships. Now, there's a lot of things that went on between then and now, some of which are still classified. Here's the one that's not. In 1990, the U.S. fooled Saddam Hussein. They fooled him into thinking that coalition forces would invade Kuwait in a certain part of the country, when in fact the invasion was going to occur many, many miles away in a different part of the country. So they set up Forward Operation Base Weasel. I'm not making that up. You can look it up. So Operation Weasel was a fake base. It was near the the supposed invasion site. They used smoke, loudspeakers, and that was to fake noises of Humvees, tanks, and trucks. They used heat strips in the sand to fool anyone that might be watching on an infrared camera. The fact is we've always, always used the belief in magic and superstition to scare enemies or sway popular opinion in previous conflicts. You could look up a thing called the light and heavy chest and read the history on that. That stopped a war. It is plain and simple, a magic trick. But it scared the other side so bad that they dare not have a conflict. And I think I can mention, without getting in too much trouble, as hologram technology is getting better. Now, you might might remember recently that Tupac was in concert. So that leaves uh, Tupac and I, who have come back from the dead. His was a hologram, though. It has been reported that holographic technology may be being considered for future PSYOPs missions. Again, misdirection and magic. I can tell you with some degree of certainty, there has always been an illusionist lurking in the background somewhere. Your Uncle Sam is no stranger to magic and the paranormal. He uses it frequently, and we'll kind of let it stop there. But magic goes way back. The ancient Egyptians believed it was a gift from the gods. They used it frequently for many purposes. The Greeks believed that in the existence of supernatural beings, such as gods and, and demons and spirits, they used magic to communicate with them and also to see, seek their help and protection. Magic has also been a significant part of Chinese culture. 
and brought us a few things that you might recognize, like yin and yang. And, oh, there's feng shui that still to this very day holds some sway. Somewhere in about the 5th century CE, CE, ah, here we go, small rant, CE is common era. It's pretty much the same as AD. We just couldn't leave anything alone. BC and AD weren't good enough, so we had to go BCE, BCE, guess, before common era. In CE, common era. That's all having to do with the Gregorian calendar, by the way, which, if memory serves, was created around October the 15th in 1582. But then again, I digress. Stop erasing history and rewriting it to suit you and stop changing all the acronyms because you can't remember the original ones. You pain in my... Anyway, let's... Uh, all the lawyers there were holding their breath and shaking their mojo bags. <laughs> I got to slide one in like that every once in a while, right? Back to it. Anyway, in the 5th century AD, guess who? The church condemned magic as evil. They associated it with witchcraft and heresy. Those who believed or practiced magic were often persecuted and executed. Now, we'll continue with some of that history in future episodes. It'll be very easy for me to go on and on until dawn about the witches and all the things that happened to the witches. And somewhere I have a shirt that says you missed one, but that's a whole other story. I wasn't going to give you a history lesson. I was talking about the paranormal. You want a good history lesson, though, anytime, go to the Magic Detective. That's a friend of mine, and he's an amazing historian. I do like to explain some of the timelines and some of the history because I want you to know what part of time it was, and I want you to be able to, to feel how it might have been in that time. It gives you... Uh, a grounding, if you will, and a point to start. So what's your little thing? What's that one thing that you've been thinking of that takes two seconds to explain, but you just can't get it out of your mind? Because that's paranormal. And we want to hear about those too. And we give you plenty of opportunities on the site to get that information to us. We can either interview you or we can read your story. You can remain anonymous if you wish, or you can even dedicate it to someone if you wish to do that. Everybody's got a story. What's yours? We're going to let you think about that for a time. We're going to go back to our monstrously hot little house now and prepare for tomorrow got a lot of good things coming up. We will try to keep the podcast going a little more frequently. As many of you know, I have been pretty ill for the last uh, last few months, so better days ahead. And I, I do thank you all for your concern and, and for being there. So give us a like, give us a share, download these episodes, and please 
pass them along, help us spread the word. We're still going to attempt to save Firelight in our own little way. And always remember, there is indeed a world unseen. A world that exists all around us, all the time. And every now and again, for whatever reason, we catch a glimpse of it. And the dead get in. Our new season for Halloween starts in just about a week or less. So I hope to see some of you in person. But until then, we'll see you inside your mind. Good night.